Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Gary Call. He's the head coach at a company named Kim. I never have this many bloopers. I think I might leave them in here. It's because we're, it's because we're friends. I am, I'm leaving this in here. So a company called Kin with an N, they are based out of Spain and they have many products, including an amazing hair color line that I've recently been introduced to courtesy of my friend Gary here. Um, Gary is a lifelong hairdresser. He's been in manufacturing. He is very well versed in all things hair color and beauty business. Welcome, Gary. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you. (laughs) so I'm already giddy this is awful I literally have never had to edit any one of my podcasts and this one I'm I'm just gonna leave it alone because I keep I keep it uh I keep it real and organic so thank you for joining me you're the one who is supposed to be punchy you're traveling all over the country you're on totally different uh time zones every single week (laughs) so thank you for joining me early um out of the west coast to have this conversation you bet Good to be here. So we recently got to meet in person, which was a real treat, thanks to um, Sylvia and Johnny, who are involved with your education in Ken. And when we got together, it was such a great informal get together of like-minded hairdressers, which for me is always the biggest aha moments and the biggest educational opportunities. It's not a formal hair show. It's not an organized class. It's just conversation about how people use different things. And it's always fascinating to me um, how all of us can get a hold of the same exact product and use it in different ways. Um, So you've been around for a long time and you've seen many changes in the industry. What What do you see happening right now? What's like the biggest thing that's going on that you can't even believe is happening because you've been around so long? Uh, well, thank you. I I feel so young and spirited. And uh, <laughs> somebody asked me, I was in a class in Dallas the other day, and they said, I just want to know your story. I mean, how you know, learn what you learn and know what you know. And I said, well, I just pay attention and read and go to classes and learn and continue to do that. Um, really, the thing that uh, what I see or what I'm most concerned about, the thing that concerns me the most is that we have diluted and and confused our ability to educate and to learn and to grow stylists. A fresh out, uh, there's a very, very difficult career path today for a stylist who is fresh out of school. And that's kind of scary to me because someone fresh out of school is not going to solve all of their problems by by going on Instagram or YouTube and learning how to balayage and, and picking up a new haircut. Uh, 30 sec- a 30 second Instagram video on how to texturize bangs is not going to give you a foundation that you need to function in a salon. And 
And so we, we have less opportunity for assistantship. We have less opportunity for training and education. I was just in a meeting yesterday, we were talking about big shows and I, I used you as the example of that. I talked about revival because I think big shows are gone. The idea that we're gonna get 40,000 or 50,000 people to show up to a convention center and mill around in the name of education, I think is over. Because that is so relevant to the conversation. I just had a masterclass last night and I was talking about the difference between a mentor and an educator and the difference between watching a video and actually being coached and having things explained to you. So I love that you brought that up because it's something that weighs heavy on my heart and I'm trying desperately to, to be one person to try to yeah, solve that right. problem. Because when you and I were coming up in the industry, we had the ability to train under someone who right. really cared about our success. And, and on, that same, on that same note, I remember vividly going to the show. I live in Utah. The show that was most accessible to me was the Long Beach Hair Show every January. And so, you know, I would pack the kids in the car and we'd drive to California and we didn't have any money and we, they went to Disneyland. They thought every family went to Disneyland every January. Well, dad was going to a hair show and awesome. you know, mom was entertaining the children. But I, I remember vividly sitting in a class with, and this is in, you know, like a hundred people in a basement in the Long Beach Convention Center with Gene Bra and Paul Mitchell on stage. Wow. Watching them do services and then going out in the hall and bumping into their models and asking questions and saying, how did this work? I remember being brought to tears and, and I, these are real tears. It's like, oh my gosh, I am so glad this industry is here and I'm here and this is what's going on by watching a Sebastian presentation. Those and, are the days. And they sure. were they were amazing and some of these companies and i used used to joke with people i said they would they could they would out mtv mtv we didn't have mtv and so they were rock stars and it was an amazing educational experience yet today people haven't even had that haven't had that experience and and i but, that, but i think there is a way if you are curious and if you are hungry um, I, I would say you can learn all kinds of things from a serious technical education video. I go back to the things that we learned at Revival and, and we, we saw a haircut broken down by Vivian. We saw haircuts broken down by Philip and Mary that were an hour and a half. And if you take that Revival class and put it up on your big screen TV and get your mannequin and start and stop the video and it's like now wait a second i'm losing control of my brushes trying to do tension for haircut well and stop the video and brush through the hair and hold your brushes try to figure out how to hold the brushes and then start the video and then rewind it and play it back you can learn that way but it takes so much more discipline individually than when you pay the money and you go to a class or you're even in beauty school and you're and I taught beauty school, your instructor does you sit down and shut up and do a finger wave because I said, and, mm -hmm. and, and forces learning into you. So it's much more independent and it's much more dependent on the individual really wanting it. 
But think about back in the day, even, you know, those big shows with Gene Braun and Paul Mitchell, there was always the hairdresser that went to the show for the cocktails, the party, the getaway with the girls kind of thing. And it's the same with, um, you know, doing something virtually. It's the same thing. Some people sign up and never even show up. They pay for it. They never even show up live. They don't watch the replays. They don't do anything. It's almost like they think that p- by paying for education, they've up-leveled their education. Oh yeah, somehow, somehow the fact that I have access to it, which is it's the perfect example. It's, this is why the internet is so evil. Um, I can go online and learn anything. The ability to access it does not give you knowledge and experience. Just because you can, doesn't mean that you're a heart surgeon. I can, 100%. I can go, study heart surgery on YouTube videos and online, and I can find the medical textbook. And if I devoted three or four years to studying that, I could probably actually cut somebody open and do surgery. But I'm not going to learn it in 45 minutes. Yeah. And that's something too, with, with um, the current new generation coming in, they have everything at their fingertips and they have so much more than we ever had as far as available information, but there's something about them fighting the connection to someone a little further ahead of them. It's almost like if, if they look to somebody older, it's they're admitting that they don't know something, which is true. I mean, when you come out of school, you really don't know everything you need to do, but there's this, there's this, um, new age pr- pride of like people saying, I've been in the industry three years and I'm going to teach you. And I'm like, three years? I, I didn't even really know how to do a proper color in three years. Yeah. Um, well, I think, part of the, I think part of the challenge as well is, is that, that the innate curiosity, you have to find what it is that creates that burn and that drive and that, what, what is it that you are just going, I got to know how to do this. I got, I got it. I want to do this. I want to understand this. I want to do the work and find out. And it takes some time and you have to be willing to be a little bit patient with yourself and to risk and to, you know, do some things that are hard to make a difference between you and the other guy. Because ultimately that's what it's about. Yet at the same time, and I think we need to not be afraid in the in the olden days, I mean, d- depending upon where you are and what part of the country, and specialized salons were a big deal, and you had people that did hair color. I know your salon. I've been to your salon, Elaine. I, I know that it's focused on color, and they can make your hair shorter, but that's not the big deal. It's we can do it, and we're willing to do it, and we're trained to do it, but we'd really rather do color, um, and and that's great. Well, you can in a suite by yourself decide, you know, I am not the guy if you want a perm. I'm just not. It's not my deal. I don't like it. I don't enjoy doing that. I don't want to do it. It takes too much time. I don't understand exactly how they work. I did perms and they were frizzy and ugly. Great. Figure out what you're going to specialize on and then network with other people in other suites or other independent stylists or other salons and say, look, you want to have a geometric interior short haircut you need to go talk to this person because that's not me. I do color. And not that I couldn't do it, but I'm not the best at it. Figure out what you're going to be the best at. Figure out where your point of difference is and where you want to compete 
you don't have to be, and that's really the sad thing about our industry now is every, is the majority of hairdressers say yes to everything. Any client walks through the door, it's like, I'm in fear of not paying my bills. I'm in fear of not making money. So I just, yeah, I can do anything. I can do anything. I can, I can do this. I can do that. I can do it all. I would much rather do be amazing at the three things I do well than be mediocre at everything. I agree hundred percent. And that was part of the hurdle with us being departmentalized with such a color focus. When we would interview people, it was the first time they were hearing that they had to choose between the cut and texture side or the color side. And it was difficult. It, it took a certain sort of person, but then we were able to grow six figure stylists on both sides because to because your point, they were yep, masters. They, they went craft. there and they ran in that yeah. one space. I mean, you look at other, look at other fields of endeavor. If you look at car racing, there are people who drive stock cars. There are people who drive NASCAR. There are people who drive, you know, motorcycles and there are people who drive formula one cars and they're all very different animals and you don't find a nascar driver crossing over to the indy 500 they just don't because they're not skilled at that find your focus i uh, never knew that um choosing a, a field of expertise was a thing until i connected with my mentor who was as you know beth minardi so right. I would go to those beauty focus um, events that her and Carmine would do. And it would take me until the end of Carmine's haircut to realize I didn't look at him once. And I you was were totally focused. I have to be Carmine and Beth. Yes, yes. Well, they, in that day, they were the perfect example of don't give Beth a pair of shears. Right. Because it's not gonna end well. <laughs> and get out of For the me, it's lab. do not give me a blow dryer. <laughs> get out of the color lab, Carmine. stay in your lane right that doesn't mean you can it doesn't mean you can wear every hat we need to and and if and if you're in a situation where the stylists are independent you're doing a thing great then create an create an informal team of people that you're willing to send referrals to absolutely that, that you can network with when i look back at my entire career the milestones of every every part of my huge growth jumps happened because I had a quality mentor reaching their hand down and pulling me up. And I can't imagine going through my, like starting right now, if I was 20 years old, you know, I can't tell you how many times I see on forums. I just graduated. I can't wait. I start my suite on Monday and I'm like, oh my goodness. I can't even imagine. I hope your dad's planning on paying your rent for the next five exactly. years. Exactly. And then they get very evil when you say, you know, it may be a good we idea to, yeah. to go and work with somebody and have, no, I'm good. I'm good. My friend did it. And she's, and I'm like, okay. So it's for us, you know, you talked about revival and Vivian and Philip and Mary, we always all get together and talk about the state of the industry. And we're concerned because there's so much opportunity right now. So many people have left the industry because right. of the whole COVID mess. They were already burned out. Right. And that was just the, the final straw for a lot That's of people. So the biggest issue right now is recruiting and hiring of 
staff, especially for the commission salon owner, because now you're competing, you're not only competing, it used to be commission wars, right? Back when, when you and I were trying to hire people, it was, oh, the salon up the street's going to give them 5% more. And then everybody commissioned themselves right out of business, trying to recruit staff. But now you're, you're, uh, competing with the kitchen beautician, with um, you know the the chair renter, the solo suite renter, and other salons. So there's a lot of beat up, defeated salon owners. And what I loved about meeting you is seeing your actual, you know, so much care goes into your relationship with your people that buy products from you. I've never seen that kind of personal relationship from a distributor. You know, it's usually you have your rep that comes in and tortures you and bothers you when you're in the middle of doing hair. And, you know, then you have a question for the company and it takes, you know, 15 days to get an answer. It's very corporate. Um, So the brand that you, you represent is a huge brand, but you're so hands-on and so personal with what you do and so generous with samples and your time and your education. So there needs to be more Gary's in the industry for sure to keep the momentum going of what it's really all about. Well, Kim North America came to be out of frustration and because at the time I was an executive at a manufacturer and I was annoyed by what manufacturers were doing with distributors in the name of salons. And if I dial way back, like into the, into the uh, late eighties, I made the transition from, from um, teaching cosmetology school to working at a distributorship. And I was a, the education director at that point. And I went to uh, BBSI, the Beauty Barber Supply Institute convention in Las Vegas. And this was the, it, it's turned into PBA now, but it was the meeting of just the distributors around the country with the manufacturers. And the manufacturers were putting on the dog and pony show for the distributors trying to get us to buy lines and to launch a new promotion or to figure out what was going on. And I remember walking into that first convention, looking around and, and saying, where are the hairdressers? We're getting a bunch of people together to figure out how to take advantage of the hairdressers. Mm-hmm. Not how to help them, but what can we sell to them? What can we get them to buy? What, what fancy words can we use to make them run from brand A to brand B or believe that such and such product is magic or drop XYZ product like a hot potato because it's evil. And we're, you know, there was a day and we're far beyond this day, but there was a day when the average salon had five to seven reps who called on the salon and competed for the business. Worked hard to get your business and to get your loyalty and to convince you that you needed to use their stuff. Well, now we have two major companies across the whole US that basically carry everything. And their sales pitch doesn't exist. They just say, what do you want? If you don't like your color line, they have 17 more they can trade this for. Right. If you have a problem selling a retail product, they'll swap it out for something else. It's like, well, that doesn't solve my problem. I can't figure out how to retail. Right. Well, I'm a 
big enough jerk to look you right in the eye and say, it's not about the shampoo. It's about you. So let's figure out how to change your brain and wrap your brain around making this an important part of your business. Let's figure out how to make you into a great colorist. It's less important what you put in the tube or what you put in the bowl than what you do with it once it's in the bowl or how you decide what to put in the bowl. And yet manufacturers are intent on coming up with lines in the sand and giant differentiation and better than and more conditioning than and and hairdressers buy into it. I mean, it, it blows my mind. There's a post today I was just beginning to comment on, on Facebook and they were talking about a, a situation and, and I just, I, and I sometimes get a really bad attitude about this kind of stuff because I just go- You can't help it. <laughs> I, it's like, I just have been doing this longer than a week and people come back and they go, well, I have to use fill in the blank. And I've gotten to where, no, you don't. You are a trained professional who spent thousands of dollars trying to figure out how to do balayage or how to formulate color or how to cover gray or how to wrap a perm or how to do curtain bangs. But you have to use this hairspray or you have to use this particular gel or you have to use this particular hair color. You know, have some self-respect. No, you don't. And if it's that important to you to carry a brand that's not at Target or at Walmart or online at Amazon, then do it. But when I walk into your salon and I see three retail racks full of products that are all available on Amazon and all available at Target and all available at Walmart, and you can get them all on walmart.com, and they're a Ross Dress for Less and Marshalls at a discount, I'm not impressed when you say, I'm looking for a product that's not diverted. It's like, well, no, you're not. You read my mind because that's exactly what I was thinking the whole time you were saying that about um, only two companies now basically owning everything is the frustration of, I remember when Purology first came out, a bottle of their shampoo cost more than I was charging for a haircut at the time. But because I was so hungry with education, I would go to all these things and I heard what they were saying about the color lasting and this and that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. And then my clients were looking at me like, you want me to spend twice for a bottle of shampoo what you just charged me for a haircut? This is like when I was 22 years old. And I think my haircut was, I think my haircut was $28 and the shampoo was $30, something like that. Um, So we were too soon with that brand. And then we dropped it because it didn't sell well. And then literally five years later, it was in every magazine. Everybody had to have it. Yeah. Yeah. But then the hairdresser is the reason that it became a household name. And then those same companies put it into Ross and to Target and all those places. I'm not going to violently disagree with you but I will just kind of throw out a thought. The transaction is completed. You bought Pureology for $15 and you sold it for 30 and made $15. Pureology doesn't owe you a dime and you don't owe Pureology a thing. Does that make sense? There was a moment in time when you made a ton of money, life was great, it was good. And then they made other marketing decisions and other business decisions. 
Well, then that is your opportunity to make a change. You don't just continue to be loyal while they beat you on the head with a stick. Right. I think for me, it was more of the, the transparency. You know, you know, I think you're, I, you know, I may think you're an idiot for doing that. I think you're not very, I, I don't, I'm not very, and I'm terribly unimpressed by when those things happen. Believe right. me. However, I do, I also don't buy into the poor pitiful me and, and everybody whipping themselves with a, you know, with a barbed thing and flailing themselves and feeling all terrible because, you know, I have to flagellate myself because all these companies have just betrayed us and they've run away with us. And I personally launched Shaper to the world. And now Shaper Hairspray from Sebastian is, you know, right there in my, in my Walmart next to everything else. It's like, yeah, so use a different hairspray. Right. Move on. The transaction, I mean, it's just like with your client. The client doesn't owe you anything and you don't owe the client anything. They came and they paid $300 to get their hair colored. Now they're gone. You've got their money. If they never come back to you, the transaction is completed. But yeah, we get all wild about loyalty and all these things. Well, part of that's because we don't price our, our services correctly mm. because we're giving them deals and we're going, well, that's really $500, but I'm going to charge her $300 because there's no way she can afford to pay $500. So you've given her an undisclosed discount. So she's, so you're kind of pissed off at the fact that she did it for $300 and you send her home. She got $500 worth of hair color. So when she doesn't come back, you get all mad. Now you're double, double hurt. Oh yeah, well, her, I give her this deal that she didn't know she got. Right. And now she's not coming back. Well, because $300 was out of her budget and pushed her budget and you recognize that. It was like, well, you shouldn't charge her $500. I made her life really painful. When, I mean, it's so funny because when clients come back to you and complain about their service, you can happily fix it if you charge them full price. But when you did, when you gave them that backroom discount, they don't know about how many, how many times did your attitude get twisted? Like, damn it. I can't believe that she, she doesn't understand. I gave her $200 off and now she wants her bangs a little lighter. What's with her? And it's like, well, you should have charged her the 500 to begin with. Then you'd happily fix her bangs. It's, it's, yeah. anyway. it's so true though. It's just, it's just flipping the script and looking at from a different perspective perspective. Cause like you said, we're thinking, how dare her? I did this for her, but she doesn't know you did that. She doesn't her. know you did it. And yeah. we're thinking of the manufacturer. How dare they take my take these products that I loved and I personally built this built this business for them? You didn't gift them anything. You made money every step of the way. So put some of the money in the bank. Oh and God, that's, so a, that's a whole other four hour podcast about hairdressers and saving okay, money. <laughs> John, John Paul DeJoria said, and, and this is way back in the days of distribution, Paul Mitchell was the hot thing to have. And he would stand up at his distributor conference and he would tell the distributor, and I wasn't one, I wished I was. He'd tell the distributors, don't spend the money you're making on Paul Mitchell to grow other brands. That was his only request. Live well, celebrate, take your family on trips. We will be loyal to you, but don't you dare take that huge profit. And the distributors were making bank in the eighties and nineties on Paul Mitchell. Don't you take that money and invest it in growing other brands. Simple be loyal enough. To Paul Mitchell. Be loyal to Paul Mitchell. Well, guess how many independent distributors Paul Mitchell has left? Three. Mm. Those are the ones that did what he did. They did that. They were very cautious about what they did and didn't do. The rest of them overextended and thought they thought every brand was going to be the next Paul Mitchell and spent the money and went a little bit crazy. It's like. Be grateful for the things that are serving you in the moment. But if they stop serving you, be willing to move forward somewhere else. 
do something different. Very simple yet profound philosophy. And there's there doesn't seem to be as much loyalty to, to go back to the, you know, trying to find um, talent at stylist. Now there's this um, hurdle that salon owners have to overcome where you, of course, want to educate your staff as much as possible and grow them to be right. part of your culture. But now the new paradigm is I'm just going to put my time in with that salon so that I can open my suite. And they go in stating that on the interview, you know, they come right in and say, I'm just here to, to get experience and build a clientele so I can go up the street and get my suite. So I understand why owners are so defeated by that because it's exhausting. And, you know, a lot of our energy goes into um, training staff and we take well, it so I really, personally I really when they wish leave. and hope and pray for the IRS to get serious and really do some cracking down. Um, and part of the reason is because the thing that causes the biggest challenge in our industry with compensation and with those things right now is the fact that we have independent salon owners and independent, and, and there was a day when you would have really loved me because I was the, I would have fallen on a sword for, for commission and salary-based salons. I would do anything. I would, I was, there at one point I had a I had a rule that we wouldn't allow we wouldn't hire any educators who were independent stylists. We would only hire educators who worked as employees for employee salons. It's like, it's just like, are you out of your mind? But in any case, so I'm a I'm a warrior. I get it. However, because of the health unhealthy salon environment that we're in, sometimes what has happened in our industry is we flipped it. We have salon owners who are so beaten up and so frustrated and so annoyed and so tired that they are giving away the store with 60 and 65 and 70% commission just to get warm bodies. Yep. And on the flip side, we have rental salon owners who are paying retail commissions, doing company trips, providing all the back bar, providing towels, putting a computer system in, booking everybody's appointments, running everybody's credit cards, doing joint retail, um, having a salon coordinator run the business, provide, that are, that are all things that are illegal yep. for an independent organization to be doing. And because that's gotten so muddy, the salon owner who's trying to develop a culture and a business and an ongoing machine doesn't have the tools and is unable to use the tools that truly are exclusive to that unique experience of small business. And those things and attitudes have been co-opted by the independent wing. And it's like, if, if there was some magic way to wave your wand and say, get back in your lane. There's nothing wrong with booth rentals. Stand there at the door with your arms folded and collect the rent. Rent, exactly. This is now I'm going to be a real jerk. Once a month with a contract with 30 day notice if you're going to move. Not hour to hour or day to day. Oh yeah, it's 30 day it's it's $30 a day or $100 mm -hmm. a week or and I pay my rent every every day. It's like, get in business, wherever you are, get in business. 
pay your bills on a monthly basis. Rent is $1,200 a month. If you can't scrape $1,200 together to pay rent, and maybe you ought to be paying rent first and, month, first and last month's rent. You ought to pay me $2,400 before I let you come work in my salon. I think pay, what happened too during COVID is- Charge them $500 to keep their space clean. And when they move, you have to clean and scour and leave your space clean. If not, I'm not gonna, it's like renting an apartment. That's all you're doing. Exactly. Well, act like a landlord. Ignore people them. were putting putting on the um, forums like, well, I'm gonna, I'm pregnant and I'm gonna be out for three months. So I don't pay rent, because right? And I'm like, how, how, where'd that come yeah. from? <laughs> you, want it, you want it to be a big shot. Well, and, and you pay rent COVID, no matter what. COVID thing. Are, you make, are you making your people pay rent during COVID? Yeah. They can't work. It's like, so? So what? I happen to know you paid rent on your space all during COVID. Yep. I mean, I don't know that, but I know that. It's like, you know, I happen yep. to know you did because you have to. That's how yep. you get to have a space. It's like, grow up. That's the, if COVID did anything in our industry, it gave us the opportunity to be adults. That's exactly, we were talking about this, Joe Blackwell and I, during uh, Revival, that, you know, it's, the issues have always been there. It's COVID put the magnifier on it and the spotlight yeah. on it to where we actually it, have to own it. And, and, and it moved everything forward about changes. five years. Yes. We were headed in these directions. Yes. And then we just turned the, turned the heat up on the stove and put the little seal on the pressure cooker and said, okay, you know, six, eight, you know, six, eight weeks of closure in California, nine months of closure. That was insane. How, how do you come back from having your salon be closed for nine months? Now our family, oh our company is based in California. If we were not nationally distributing, we'd be gone. Yeah, and so many are gone. It's really sad. It's heartbreaking because there were so many beautiful salons that some of them were only a year or two in, still establishing their business when this happened. And it's you know it's impossible yeah. to stay afloat for that amount of time. It's insane. So you, want to talk about you and you and I could talk for a hundred years and have the longest podcast episode ever. But if you could change one thing, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about our current situation in the industry, what would that be? Sorry, my landscapers are now here, so they're, I would, they're very loud. <laughs> now, you have to remember, this is not prepared in any way. Um, I would somehow give a test to an entry-level stylist and I, this doesn't exist because I had a friend who asked me to do this and I can't. I would somehow create and give a test to an entry-level stylist that the result of the test is you really want to do this. Okay, good. I mean, we will love you and we will nurture you and we will grow you and we will take you with us far beyond where our careers have gone. But you got to really want to do this. Because the part we don't, the part we don't share very well. And I did and I did the exact thing wrong in a post I put on my personal page. We love what we do so much that we don't share that it is awful and it is hard and it hurts and it, it will physically wear you down. But we are, we survive the passion and the love for the industry that we have that allows us to survive. Sometimes too often also allows us to work for pittance 
allows us to um, get ourselves in financial situations that are untenable, sign leases that we can't fulfill the terms of, lose business, have tax liens, have, I mean, and I'm right there, guys. It's like I had to come home from the salon one day and explain to my wife that our personal checking account had been locked, locked by the federal government. So we have to figure out how to dig our way out of this because we have access to nothing. What are we going to do? Because I had all the passion in the world, but I wasn't paying attention to the hard part. And you have to. You have to want it really, really bad, but you have to not sacrifice the, the hard stuff. You can't walk away from it. You can't give your checkbook away to somebody else and have them take responsibility for it. You can't, you have to do the part you don't want to do. So I, does that, does that mean anything? I hope. No, I love that. And it, it's true because um, to your point earlier about um, social media, it's the highlight reel, right? People don't share the the blips along the way. It's it's. I love that one uh, meme where it's like the big rock coming out of the water and all of the stuff that they the did under the water that never yeah never shows yeah, the iceberg. That's so true. Yeah, I'm calling it a rock. It's an iceberg. <laughs> but we love. But 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 don't get me wrong. The passion and the love is allows sur the survival of those horrible things. Absolutely. I wouldn't do anything else. I wouldn't have made any other choices because it's it's absolutely a wonderful life. I agree. I can't imagine being in any other industry. Right. Okay. Every morning I still wake up excited. I was excited to be chatting with you today. I'm excited for things that I have tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's every day is a new day and there's always something, something to uh, sure. explore. Yeah. It never gets boring for sure. So how can people get more of you, Gary? Where can they find you and find out more about Kin um, and all things? You can find Kin. Kin North America is, we are the U.S. distributor and Kin North America is, we actually, well, we're the distributor in the United States, Canada, kind of. Canada is very difficult right now because of, of NAFTA, we can't ship anything there. Um, the Caribbean, New Zealand, and Australia. <laughs> so, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, so we, uh, you can contact us at info at kinnorthamerica.com or gary at kinnorthamerica.com. My direct phone number is 562-719-9855. Um, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Pinterest, um, all the stuff on YouTube is very consumer and retail focused. All the stuff on Facebook is public facing. We have a private Facebook group called Kin Salons and Stylists that you're more than welcome to come. If, if you're a hairdresser, I'll let you in, but you need to somehow on your, on your profile, your Facebook profile say, you know, I work at such and such salon or I do hair or I teach media school or something because I, I sometimes will dig, but I'm not going to email people and say, you know, where did you do your license, whatever. So if it doesn't look like you're a hairdresser on your public profile without being my friend, I just delete you. Um, because we talk about pricing, we talk about customer service, we talk about nightmare clients, we talk about color formulation, we get down and dirty. And on kids salons and stylists, we have about 325 hours of kin school episodes. Nice. That we did during we started during COVID, and I started. On March 18th, I did it live on Facebook Live. I thought, well, I'm going to do a Facebook Live today because we're all on lockdown. And 
there's nothing going on. I said, hi, you know, what should we do? And so we started. And then the next day I did some product knowledge and went on and we had, we now have 300 plus episodes. <laughs> and I, I just thought I was going to do it for a week or two. And then the salons would open and we'd go back to normal. But so now there's all kinds of stuff that people can find and network with each other. So that's awesome hard to find. And, and much needed for sure. Yeah, we're not hard well, to find. Thank you for this time. So this is a... we kind of fly under the radar. Yeah, that's all. Well, that's why that's what makes you special. I appreciate a hidden, hidden gem. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for your time and thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you on the next one. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.